Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, February the 17th, 2023. It is currently 11.33 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where something weird has happened. Was It was just, what, two days ago? It was like 80 degrees. It was 80 degrees outside. It was warm. It was hot. And then all of a sudden, the temperature went from 80 degrees to like a... 27 degrees like it just crashed and it's like it's 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 sunny not a cloud in the sky but it's like this weird like cold that somehow has invaded texas we don't know how it got in i knew we should have built a wall i knew it i knew it but i don't know if a wall would actually keep the cold out but you get the idea and so it um it caused havoc with my voice yesterday it was weird um I, I don't know if there's any medical or scientific evidence to prove that the dramatic temperature change could impact my voice. All I know is my voice went crazy yesterday. I apologize. I'm trying to, I'm trying to really take apart Colossians 3, 5, and my voice goes absolute haywire, concupiscence. I, I can't say the word. Everything went horribly wrong with that, but it was still a very important discussion on Colossians 3, 5. But I hope my voice is up for the task at hand because the task at hand, this is one of those situations where I don't know if my voice is up to the task. I don't know if I'm emotionally up to the task. I don't even think I'm mentally up to the task because I don't want to do this. Like I'm, I'm already ready to give up. Here's what happened. Someone sent me an email and said, hey. Could you review this sermon on Romans chapter 8? And they didn't really tell me anything. They gave me no clue. Is it good? Is it bad? But they just wanted a blunt review. And we did part one of that review yesterday. We made it about seven minutes into the sermon. And even though we we did an hour-long review, we only covered seven minutes of audio. And guess... <laughs> and all I can say is... Is I basically had, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to over exaggerate it, but I felt like I was on the verge of an emotional breakdown about about thirty minutes into the broadcast, maybe about thirty five minutes into the broadcast. I thought I was just getting ready to have an emotional breakdown, and I and I know that sounds like hyperbole. I know you may think I'm exaggerating, but there's a lot of truth to it because there is a part of me that has grown just so like. If you look at our series on law and gospel, at 70 plus hours, really talking about many of these issues. Uh, and, and, and then if you look at all the other things that we've done and talked about that are kind of relate to some of these issues, there's a part of me that have, has just grown so tired, just so tired of the fact that within Christianity, it seems that people can say one thing and literally five seconds later, say something that contradicts everything they just said. And they don't even realize or see the contradiction. They don't even feel the tension. They don't even feel like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, guys. I have to try to explain this because I know what you're thinking. I know you're sitting there going, this makes absolutely no sense. But what's weird is the preacher doesn't seem to say, 
hey guys, I know this doesn't make any sense. Let me try to explain. And obviously the people in the pew are not going, wait a minute, this makes no sense. So I sit there and look and like, I look at Christianity and like, I I, I don't understand this world. Like, like, okay, I'm, I, I, I'm an outsider. I'm like an alien. Can someone explain the rules? Because it appears that within Christianity, you can say something like, I'll give you an example, within at least a large portion of Christianity, you can say something like, because Jesus died on the cross, because he died on the cross, I'm losing my voice. Because he died on the cross, I'm, I'm, see, I'm, I'm doing a little extra long introduction to make sure my voice is going to hold up. See, all right. But because Jesus died on the cross, your physical healing on this earth is guaranteed. They, they, they will say that because Jesus died on the cross, your, your healing is guaranteed right here and now. They say that. And then look what happens. The very people who believe it get sick, call the doctor, get admitted to the hospital, need treatment for this, need this, need that, need this. They, they have high blood pressure, blood pressure, high cholesterol, bad eyesight. They get diseases, they get injured, and they don't get healed. But yet, and it's like on one hand, everyone acknowledges, well, we still get sick, and we, but healing is guaranteed. I mean, we still get sick. Yes, we're still going to die. Yes, we still have to sometimes seek medical treatment, but, but, but healing is guaranteed. And you're like, how do you not, <laughs> how do you not see that? But the one area that has driven me to the point of almost total insanity the, the one point that I just cannot stand is when Christians say something like this. Well, now that you're saved, you're a new creature in Christ. The old is completely gone and every single thing is brand new. But, 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 you still have a sinful nature and you're still going to sin. Hey, because you now have the Holy Spirit, you can overcome sin. You can say no to sin and yes to God and you can be victorious. But, 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 you're still going to sin and you'll never stop sinning and you're going to sin all the time. But, 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 but you can be, I mean, you don't have, but you will. Hey, because you're saved, you can keep the law, but you're not going to actually keep the law perfectly. You have power but that power is limited. It's like you're dead to sin, but you're still going to sin. <laughs> it's like you have a brand new heart and the old is gone. But but I mean, you still, you still have a sinful nature somehow. And Christians can't, look, I can understand struggling with the biblical language that appears to bring forth these contradictory comments. But then we have to embrace that there seems to be a contradiction here. And then what we have to do is then try to acknowledge it and struggle through it. So I've grown weary and tired of why is it that we can't get off the hamster wheel? I want someone to get me. I want someone to stop the hamster wheel while I can get out off because it's just, it's maddening. So we listened to seven minutes of a sermon where basically that's what happened. Jesus came to save you so that you, you, in your everyday life, you can keep God's law. Now, you would think if I can keep God's law, that would mean I would have to keep it perfectly. But then we find out you can keep it. However, it won't be, you won't do so perfectly. 
So I don't know how I can keep it if I'm not doing it perfectly, because if I'm not doing perfectly, then I'm not keeping it. But somehow keeping it, even though I'm not doing it perfectly, still counts as keeping it. We also found out that we now have, now have power and that we're dead to sin and now that we can love God and follow God and not, and not put our focus on ourselves, but put our focus completely on God, yet we still sin. And it was this most maddening, confusing thing. And the reason it's so confusing is this pastor is in Romans chapter 8. And I understand that there is some very difficult language in Romans 6, 7, 8. I mean, there's, there's, there's difficult language in all the book of Romans. That's why there's so many different interpretations. But to just remind you and to kind of give you my basic way of looking at this is we have to remember the, these objective facts, all right, that we are saved not by an infused righteousness, but by an imputed righteousness where we're declared to be perfect, righteous, and holy, even though we are not. And that, 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 and my position before God, I'm holy, righteous, dead to sin. I'm a new creature. I'm perfect. I'm holy. Everything is perfect in my position, but in my practice, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, guess what? I am a sinner. I sin in thought, word, deed, desire, imagination, wherever you want to take it. I, I don't, have you, have you sinned recently? Have you had any desires that are not acceptable? Have you had any thoughts that are not acceptable? Have you had any, you know, just longings that are not right? Oh, come on, come on. None? Okay, well, at, le at least, at least there's one of us, okay? At least the one sitting in front of the microphone has to acknowledge those struggles and those desires and those, and those thoughts and those, those that, are, that, that are, are biblically unwrong, that you, you are biblically, are biblically wrong. You can't justify it. So I'm still a sinner. So when Christians come along, no, 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 no. Now you can keep God's law, but you can't do it perfectly. You have power, but I mean, you're still going to sin. You can do it. You're dead to sin, but I mean, you're really still alive to sin. You're a new creature. Well, I mean, you're not really a new creature. It's maddening that they can't see that you, you just said this. Now you're saying this. And if you're saying this, that cancels out what you just said. The only way to try to reckon, to only way to reconcile this is that certain things we say is true of our position, but not true of our practical life, our practice, our position and our reality are in conflict. My position is what I am in Christ. It's what I am by faith and practice is what I am in reality. And I am a human being with human desires that come from a body that has a sinful nature and I have fleshly cravings and I sin and I desire and I am selfish and prideful and arrogant and I must constantly fight against it. And it will never be a perfect battle because I will always lose it in practice. That's why Christ took care of it positionally. That's why Christ did not give me an infused righteousness, but an imputed righteousness. So in some ways, I feel like I've said these things a million times. Some ways I've said like, like what more can I say? But we're going to go through this and see how far we can get. All right. Romans chapter eight is the text. I'm sorry for that long introduction, but you see why I, I did a little longer introduction. I almost completely lost my voice right there. 
almost completely. So I was a little worried. I was a little worried, but I think I worked through it. So I think we're good to go now. Are you ready? Here we go. Back to our sermon. This is part two, Romans chapter eight. I've kind of given you an idea of what's been said. I've, I'm, exa- I'm basically exhausted and frustrated at this point. But guess what? We have a whole lot of sermon in front of us. Maybe, just maybe, he's going to turn this around and this is going to turn out to be the greatest exposition of Romans chapter 8 in the history of humankind. If it is, then it's the greatest sermon with the worst introduction because a seven-minute introduction was a theological train wreck. Let's hope, let's hope today, for once, the train doesn't crash, the car doesn't go through the fence and hit a cow. The plane doesn't crash. The boat doesn't sink. All of our different ways of illustrating it. Let's hope today it is smooth selling. Let's hope that the, there's no derailment. There's no car crash. There's, I don't know, the an asteroid doesn't hit the earth. Let's just hope today it's rainbows, sunshine. I don't know. You don't really, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Birds singing in the air, right? What, 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 you know, what, however we want to paint the picture. I, I was going to, I was going to find some way to criticize the picture, but that's okay. Because there's just a part of me that says, why am I even trying to describe the perfect painting? Because we know, we know that disaster is approaching, but oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Someone, someone, uh, someone in, in chat, they're the person who always talks about the train wrecks. So they, they know, they know, they know all about the train wrecks because they've, they've listened to a lot of them. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs are allowed to continue listening. Here we go. Paul was that way. He was not a man who was looking for gray in the middle issues. He was a man who was preaching, proclaiming, and pleading with people, reminding Christians, this is how it is. This is truth. And I do understand when he's trying to say Paul is black and white, but let me just make it very clear. Let's just, let, I mean, uh, sometimes I wish Christians could understand this. If things were always so black and white, if things were always so clear and people are having fun in the chat, but I, I won't get distracted. Um, if things were so clear, then there would not be thousands of interpretations. There, look, as much as I look, I understand that all we can do is study the Bible, try our best to figure it out at that particular time and declare it in a very authoritative and dogmatic way. That is what we're called to do. But in the midst of trying to be dogmatic and authoritative and declaring what is said, we ha- also have to constantly acknowledge the at times apparently confusing, conflicting, contradictory language. You're like, well, wait a minute. Is it this or is it this? That, that, that t- sometimes things are not so black and white. There is a lot of gray. There is a lot of confusion. Now, I know all we can do is preach it and proclaim it in an authoritative way. But at the same time, there has to be a humility going, wait a minute. Because like, it's just funny that this is the pastor who's saying it's black and white. There's no gray. When you just demonstrated how utterly confusing it is in your seven-minute introduction where you're like, you can keep the law, but I mean, you can't actually keep the law. I mean, you're dead to sin, but I mean, you're still going to sin. You can do it, but I mean, you really can't do it. It's, but hey, it's black and white. They're, you're either saved or you're not saved. And it's like, it's uh, very confusing. All right, here we go. It's the way things really are. 
And that's what we need more people who are about the truth. So let that be one point of application for you. Now, Paul is a master teacher. And again, by way of introduction, this is all just trying to build up this argument of what we're about to get into. But as Paul is a master teacher, he teaches in certain ways that really drive home his arguments. Okay, now I'm, <laughs> I, I'm going I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that's going to be considered offensive by the whole by the whole world. I know everyone loves to say Paul's the master teacher, and I do it. I do understand there are times I believe there's some great, uh, there's brilliance there. I think there's a lot of great logical ways he does present things. But at the same time, if he's the master teacher, this master teacher has led to nothing but utter confusion for 2,000 years of church history because no one agrees on anything he said, right? He's the master teacher. Well, are we saved from a Calvinistic perspective or an Arminian perspective? He's the master teacher. Well, can we keep the law or can we not keep the law? He's the master teacher. You can basically be without sin. Nope, you're always going to sin. He's the master teacher, but nobody knows what in the world's going on in Romans chapter seven. It's Paul describing himself as the person who wants to do something but can't do it. The things he doesn't want to do, he does. Or is Paul pretending to be someone who's not saved? Is Paul describing a safe I mean you can all, we can also acknowledge that I mean and, and if you look at the commentaries on Romans almost every time you open up the commentary like this is one of the most difficult sections and there's so many different opinions this is very confused well wait a minute if he's the master teacher you would hope that it would bring clarity now you could argue when we read Paul's arguments in Romans or anywhere else are we seeing the master teacher or are we seeing just the inspired word of God? Because the inspired word of God is just, this is God breathed and it's the text. And clearly, as much as people want to argue there's great clarity, it's led to nothing but confusion. So I don't know if I'm seeing the master teacher or just someone giving us the inspired word of God. I, I don't know. I just Just a side note and you can, everyone can go, oh. <gasps> How dare you? But, all right, here we go. In a far better way than I could ever do. But I will simply try to latch on to his teaching here in a way that will make you understand. But I'm going to pray that the Spirit enlightens your minds even more than what this simple preacher can tell you. All right, now, look, I understand every Bible college, every seminary I went to, they, they gave me the basic concepts, right? There's the concept of inspiration, God inspiring the word, right? Then there's interpretation where we interpret the word, right? There's revelation, God revealing his word through inspiration. And then we interpret that inspired word. And then they always say there's enlightenment. There's enlightenment. There's enlightenment. The Holy Spirit enlightens our eyes to see. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes so that we can see and so that we can understand. And I understand the sentiment. I understand it. It's it's this very romanticized idea. And I love the, the idea. It's like, it's like this beautiful painting. Like here's a, here's a person sitting in their room, right? The sunlight coming in the window behind them. It's an old rustic looking desk, 
right? There's a, there's a notebook and there's a pencil and the lighting is just perfect, right? And there's a, there's a Bible that's well marked up and there's the person studying the Bible and it's like the sunlight coming through the window is the Holy Spirit enlightening our, our eyes and our understanding so that we see the truth of God's word. And it's such a romanticized idea and, I, and it, it's kind of a beautiful thought that is, that I just studied God's word and he opens my eyes. He gives me enlightenment so that I can understand it. But the problem is, if the Holy Spirit's the one enlightening and opening our eyes to see it, why is no one seeing the same thing? Because if he says, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would enlighten and open your eyes, well, what if you walked up after the sermon and said, the Holy Spirit enlightened and opened my eyes, and you're flat out wrong? Would he go, Oh, wait, the Holy Spirit showed you that? Well, the Holy Spirit enlightened my eyes and told me that you're wrong. Well, then who, who, who was the Holy Spirit enlightening? Who? And then a third person will walk up and say, well, the Holy Spirit enlightened my eyes and he showed me that you're both wrong. And then a fourth person will walk up and go, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit enlightened my eyes and showed me that all of you are wrong. And then someone from, you know, um, uh, another church would come and say, no, all of you are wrong. No, no, you're wrong. 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 You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Well, well, who's the Holy Spirit enlightening? Can someone please tell me? Let me just one, just let me fix it for everyone. The Holy Spirit has enlightened mine eyes and I am right and everyone else is wrong. Theology Central is now the only place you can find truth and doctrinal clarity. See, that would be, if I said something like that, people would be, you're a cult. But wait a minute. I mean, in a roundabout way, everyone walks around saying, oh, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and showed me, showed you what? That you don't know how to put a verse in its context? Showed you what? That you you don't know how to interpret scripture? What did the Holy Spirit show you? I just, I get so nervous with that language. I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit's going to open your eyes. And you know what, you know what that prayer is? I hope the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to see that I'm right. (laughs) Okay, but, oh. It's so, it's so, okay. I know we're not getting very far, but okay. But, I, but I've been taught that like there's revelation, there's inspiration, there's interpretation, and then there's enlightenment or illumination. I think I, there's all the different ways of, 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 talking about, of talking about it, but it's like God illuminates, God in, in, enlightens so that we can see. Now I understand the psalmist prays, God, you know, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your law. I understand I understand the scriptures, trust me. How that plays out in a practical way, nobody's ever been able to explain to me. And it leads really to the idea that, because just think where it leads to. If 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 you're listening right now and we start having a Bible study and you believe the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, enlightens, illuminates you to understand a text a certain way, and you tell me, well, this is what the Holy Spirit showed me, whether you whether you intend this or not, you're basically claiming your understanding is infallible because it came from the Holy Spirit. But if the Catholic Church claims that infallibility, we say, how dare the Pope claims infallibility when he offers a decree? Wait, if you claim that your interpretation came from the Holy Spirit, by definition, it would have to be infallible. 
here in a way that will make you understand, but I'm going to pray that the Spirit enlightens your minds even more than what this simple preacher can tell you. He uses this tool of teaching of contrast. Contrast is a very powerful tool that effective teachers use to really drive home points. It's either this or it's that. It's this or it's that. It's here or it's there. And there's no mention of in the middle. It's just this or this. This is again what Paul is doing for us. So verse 4 finishes in Romans 8. He says, So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, in us as Christians, believers, the church of God, the elect, the called out ones, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And let me give you a further description of what that looks like, is what Paul is saying in verses 5 through 11. All right, now just make sure you understand, he believes, and I think he's made it explicitly clear, and if for some reason I'm misunderstanding, then I'm more than willing to be corrected. But he seems to be making it very clear. He takes the position that when it says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, he is saying that the righteous, the righteous demands of the law can be fulfilled by a Christian in their conduct and how they live, meaning that Christ saved us so that we can obey the law versus my perspective that Christ saved me because I could not keep the law and I will never keep the law. How do I know this? Because I can never keep the law practically because the law demands perfection, which I can never attain. I can never achieve. So I fulfill the law in the fact that I'm in Christ by an imputed righteousness. So the law has been fulfilled in me, in for me by Christ. And now I try to live out this positional reality in a practical way. Now, I know the text, you could argue, seems to really infer that, no, no, you can do it. I, I'm more than willing to acknowledge that. I'm more than willing to acknowledge the difficulty with the text. But here's what I know. No matter how much I struggle with the text, nobody's keeping the law. No one. No one. I can give you just three. You know, you know where I'm going. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You fail. Love your neighbor as yourself. You fail. Be ye holy as he is holy. Or as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I'm sorry. You don't do that. And if you don't, you don't keep the law. He says, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So first of all, Paul provides a characterization of the two types of people. He says there's this group who are according to the flesh, who live according to their flesh, and they therefore set their minds on the things of the flesh. And then there's this group, Christians, you believers, who are according to the Spirit, who live by the Spirit and set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Paul is saying this is the characterization of the two types of people that the Bible has consistently described. And after each verse, you can ask yourself, who am I? 
Who am I? Which camp do I fall in? Which type am I? So let's describe a little bit more what Paul is saying in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh are those who are sinful and who desire sinful things. Their minds are filled with sin. Their hearts are filled with sin. Their actions are filled with sin. They plan sin. They look for sin. They gossip, which is sin, about sin. They go to bed at night knowing all the sin they committed. They think about the sin they'll commit the next morning, not even considering that they may not even have the next morning, which in fact, if you think about it, is a sin. They then get people to scheme with them on sin. And what is sin? Sin is missing the mark of God's law. What is sin? Missing the mark of God's law. But earlier in your introduction, you says we, we keep the law, but not perfectly. Well, if we don't keep it perfectly, are we not missing the mark? Therefore, we're in sin. <laughs> okay, I, I'm trying to follow this. Sin is falling short. Sin is preferring another direction. Sin is self-centered, not God-centered. Sin is not looking up and out. Sin is looking in and down. Which is what Christians do every single day. Every single day, we don't look up. We look in. We are self-focused, not God-focused. We are selfish. We desire what we want. We're rebellious over and over and over and over. Like he's trying to use some very strong language to say, this is this kind of person, but I'm telling you so much of that language applies to you and to me in some way, shape, or form. And other than you trying to just be very subjective and go, well, 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 I mean, I mean, I'm a little bit like that, but a bit, but, 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 but look, 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 I go to church. Look, 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 I read my Bible. Look, 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 I try to be good. Look, 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 I haven't slept with a prostitute. Look, 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 I haven't gotten drunk. Look, and you try to find some of these things that you look, look what I get. Look, look at me. But there's all these other things. But, well, yeah, look at you. Only concerned about me, my feelings, my circumstances, my wants and desires. These people are driven by their cravings. These people. See, we're not like that. It's those people. Those people do that. Not us. I mean, not us. We're Christians. We don't do this. We're Christians. Those people. Those people over there. It's those people. Hey, 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 hey. There's one of those people. Oh, right there. There's one of those people. There's one of those people. But we're Christians. Thank God I'm not like one of those people. I thank God that I go to church and I thank God that I pay my tithe and I thank God that I am, I'm not like one of those people. That's why the Bible describes them in other places as animals. And now before you think, wow, pastor, you're being such a big jerk and you're being really judgmental. Uh, that was me. <laughs> That was me. 
that was me. That was me. I say, I'm not like that anymore. I don't do that anymore. See, now I'm all, I don't look at my circumstances. I look to God. I, I, I'm glad I'm not one of them. And someone, someone says, I'm glad I'm not them. Yes, I'm glad I'm not them either. They sound like really bad people. I really, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, when I, I'm going to start looking around my church, making sure we don't have any of them inside my church. I'm going to make sure if we have any of them, I'm like, I'm sorry, we're, we, we used to be like you, but we're not like you anymore. We're so much better. We're godly. We're holy. We're righteous. We do everything right. Okay. And I'm no, I know he's not probably trying to describe it that way, but it's coming across very like, well, I used to be like that. Not anymore. Not anymore. I'm not like that anymore. Now, I am not like that anymore in my position, but give me a break. You know why we're still very much the church of Corinth. Now, of course, he's already, he's already tried to get an out because he doesn't believe the church of Corinth when it refers to them as carnal, that they're Christians. He doesn't believe in carnal Christianity. So you can't be like that because if you're like that, you're one of them. We are not like that anymore. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I would like to know all the people who go to this church because they must be some really outstanding people. They must be, man. I'm I'm gonna have to move there because I'm I gotta hang out with these people. I gotta hang out because they're obviously not obviously their church is much different than my church because my church is a lot like those people. And if you're in Christ, that was you. That was all of us. And God did something for us. He changed our minds. He changed our hearts. Caused us to believe upon his son, Jesus Christ. Changed our minds. He changed our hearts. So that you no longer have a sinful heart? Sinful heart gone? Do you, have still, do you have still have a sinful nature? Do you? I mean, do you in any way, shape, or form? Because, because obviously you're not like them. And, and someone... Uh, <laughs> Okay. Someone said they would be, they will be kicking me out. I mean, I, I don't, I just, I just don't get it. How can you perceive yourself to be that much better than them? How can we perceive ourselves to be, I, I used to be like you, but look at us now. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the people who go to this church. I don't know. But I've heard a lot of this kind of preaching in my Christian life, and you always tend to find out that those who don't think they're like them tend to live a lot like them, just maybe not so publicly. But in private, there's a lot of those people inside of the supposedly Christians who are not like those people anymore. They may not be like those people in a blatant outward way, but man, there's a lot of those people still inside of them. How, how can we say it? You can take you can take the girl away from those people, but you'll never take those people outside of the girl. Or you can take yourself outside of those people, away from those people, but you'll never take those people from outside of yourself or from inside of yourself. I think that there's I think there's a little bit of truth to that. Now, positionally, 1,000%, everything he's describing as a Christian, I believe in Christ, I am not like them. In Christ, I am perfect, holy, and righteous. I have been changed. I have been transformed positionally. Practically, we stumble and we fall and we sin and we lust and all on and on and on and on and on. 
Yeah, I definitely changed my mind. Here's where, I, and, and I want to talk about, I do believe that our mind has been changed because I believe that repentance is primarily a change of mind. What is my mind changed about? I used to do those things and didn't think they were sinful. Now I do those things and I know they are wrong. I now desire those things and I admit that they're wrong. I will confess that, yeah, I shouldn't think that way. No, I shouldn't desire that. I can acknowledge that. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like all of a sudden I became saved. I'm like, no, all of those thoughts are gone. All of those desires are gone. Now, now I only want Jesus. And I, and no, no, the, 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 the sin is still there. And now instead of going after the sin that we always went after, we went the total opposite direction. <laughs> we no longer go after the sin. We go, now if we no longer go after the sin and we go in a totally different direction, then why do we sin? If, if, it, if it's true that we no longer go after sin and we go in a completely different direction, ladies and gentlemen, you, we need to get the name of this church and you need to go immediately because you have a church of sinless people. Now, but he's already admitted that we sin. But we no longer go after sin, but we continue to sin. <laughs> We're no longer like them, but we still sin just like them, <laughs> like I don't know. You can keep the law, but you actually can't keep the law. That's what repentance is. It's change of mind, change of direction. All right, now he gives repentance as a change of direction, and I believe it's a change of mind. Primarily, we looked up uh, the Greek words for repentance. We looked, and and primarily that I mean that's what the word basically means: a change of mind. A change of mind. And, and we can get into a whole discussion about that, but we'll, we'll, we'll follow. We'll do that later. And God set us on a new path with a new course, with a new goal to bring glory to God Almighty. But before we were in Christ and before we were setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, we were setting our minds on the things of the flesh. And this is really important. This is why people do what they do. Not only because they want what they want, but because they're filling their minds with those things. Now, wait a minute. They're doing those things because they're filling their mind? Don't we, do, don't we sin because of what we are? I sin because I'm a sinner. I sin because I'm a sinner. The, the sin is a result of, of my nature. It's going to lead me there. Now, I, I have no problem talking about what you fill your mind with and the difficulties that can cause. I'm, I'm not in any way denying the, the ramifications of it, but let's get this theologically correct. People sin because they are sinners. Remember, we don't become sinners by sinning. We sin because we are sinners. You didn't become a sinner because you sinned. You sinned because you were a sinner from conception. You were a sinner from birth. You were a sinner by nature. Your nature is sinful and leads to sinful actions. Your actions as a result of your nature. It's not like you're, you're sitting there with a, everything is good and then you think of the wrong thing. And so now you do the wrong thing. You do the wrong thing because you already are the wrong thing from a spiritual standpoint as far as sin is concerned. 
What you think governs how you live. Now, I got no problem acknowledging the, the an influence of thinking. I got no problem acknowledging that how we think is greatly instrumental in so many areas of our life. I will 100% understand that and agree with that. But let's make sure we understand that our biggest issue is the sin that's within us. It's not like if I can get my thinking right, then I can stop doing wrong. No, I, I can get my thinking right and still sin because my nature, my nature The pollution comes from inside of me. The pollution doesn't come from outside of me. I am the pollution. I am the sin. It's inside of me. Make no mistake. As a man thinks, so he is. Proverbs 23, verse 7. And I completely affirm that our thinking dramatically impacts our life. No, no argument against it. I'm just saying that there is a deeper understanding of this, that the issue is, you know what I'm getting ready to say, because I use the illustration all the time. The call is coming from within the house. The phone call is coming from inside the house. The issue is it's inside of us. That's a reference to an old horror movie. Okay, but you get it. The call is inside of us. That's, that's, that's where it is. Now, this is not a power of positive thinking message. This isn't me standing up here and saying to you, hey, just think really good things and manifest and all that other nonsense. That's nowhere to be found in the Bible, by the way. You don't need a vision board. You need a vision of God seen in his word. That's what you need. Forgive me for ranting. Um, Your mind and what you fill your mind with, what you set your affections on, what you're constantly viewing will affect how you live. It's like what your parents told you or maybe your grandparents told you when you were a kid. And when you were a kid, you thought, oh, you're too old. You don't know what you're talking about. Remember this phrase? Garbage in, garbage out. goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Garbage in, garbage out. The garbage is already in. The garbage is already in. That's the whole issue. We're corrupt from inside, from conception. That's the whole thing of total depravity. This is, I I know this person is not semi-Pelagian or Pelagian, but that's Pelagius. That's, that's a Pelagian view. It's not garbage in, garbage out. It's the garbage is already in and it's coming out in one way. It's coming out in our thoughts. It's coming out in our words. It's coming out in our actions. It reveals itself in our motivations. It reveals itself in our imaginations. It reveals itself in our thinking. It reveals itself constantly. It's not garbage in, garbage out. The garbage is already in. Now you could say garbage in feeds or or feeds or entices the garbage that's already within. But the garbage is already inside. Oh yeah, you do because you're smiling. Yeah. My parents told me that too and so did my grandparents. And it's true. What you take in through your mind and fill your mind with and even this idea of setting Um, what you set your mind on 
It has this idea of siding with this thing. The Romans knew really well what this phrase meant politically. They would see that word in Greek and say, oh yeah, I'm siding with the Romans and their agenda. We side with our flesh. I'm going to stop right here, and, uh, and, I, and I apologize. I'm being distracted. I just got a text from my oldest daughter. Now, she does uh, her job. Her job, she, she has dealt with uh, alcohol and drug prevention and intervention for the state of Texas, uh, doing uh, presentations at schools and trying to just deal with addiction and drug and alcohol issues and trying to help people through those very difficult things. And she's transitioning now into a, a, a job where she's deal, dealing a lot with abused children, children that have been removed from their homes. And then she tries to do parenting classes to allow the parents maybe one day to get their children back, doing inspections in the home. She has to – and she, today she's doing training on how to recognize child sexual abuse. And I just received this text from her. I have to be certified to recognize child sexual abuse. And one of the things we just learned is that 60% of victims are abused by someone they know and trust, and that one of the most common perpetrators of child sexual abuse cases is faith leaders. And one of the things that we just learned is that 60% of victims are abused by someone they know and trust, and that one of the most common perpetrators of child sexual abuse case is faith leaders. Now, I know this is not scientific. I know I don't have a source. I know that if you read, like, DeRoy's report, you see the, I mean, she's constantly reporting, this pastor's been arrested, this has happened at this church, sexual abuse happened here, sexual abuse happened here, children were molested here, children were molested here, children were molested here, children were molested here. It's non-stop. It's not like just ever once in a while. It's just, if you dig into and listen to all the reports, it's just, con- it's a consistent stream of horrific stories happening. Now, either you're like, well, you know what? They, 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 thought, they thought the wrong thing. They just thought the wrong thing. They just, they just had their, they just, uh, they just had their, their, their minds were not thinking the right way. They were feeding their minds the wrong thing. They were, they were not reading their Bible enough. They, they, because, because guess what? They're Christians. They're not like them. But the church is filled with, and so I know what he would say. Well, they're not saved. They're not saved. They're not, because that's the go-to answer forever. That's the Christians get out of free jail card, right? That's how we play, right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Someone did something really bad. It makes Christians look bad. Sorry, they're not saved. Hey, someone who's a Christian who just did something horrible. Oh, nope, not saved. No, that, that, they, if, if, if we were living in the time of David, we'd have been like, sorry, not saved. Solomon, nope, not saved. No, Peter, not saved. We'd have been running around giving everyone a card that you're not saved because you're making us look bad. It was just it was just a very shocking shocking store uh, statistic that she just sent me in the middle of listening to him basically like garbage in garbage out the problem is what you're watching I mean it goes back to hey guys don't watch him t- I mean I, I I going back to you know a time that I can much more re- reference hey, it's it's the MTV that you're watching Hey guys, if you don't watch MTV, you won't struggle with sexual desire. You'll just, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, ask my ask my friend from high school how that worked out, right? His his girlfriend, conservative, not going to watch MTV, not going to listen to that bad music. She's all conservative, right? He's not able to go to church camp. She goes to church camp. She comes back from church camp. Pregnant. It, they were at church camp. No, they had all, they were cut off from all the outside world. There was no movies. There was no, uh, what happened? What happened? She didn't, she didn't watch that kind of stuff. She didn't listen to that kind of music. She was, she was one of the good Christian girls who would never, never, she was, she was not like one of them. She wouldn't like those, those really scandalous girls who walked the hallways of the high school. No, 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 no. She was the proper one, the godly one, the righteous one, the holy one. What happened? Oh, I don't know, because she has the same desires and the same sinful nature as everyone else does. Now, I understand that what we watch and what we fill our minds with can be detrimental. No one is denying that. But the issue, we always want to present the problem is out there. The problem is in here. I, I can I could I could tell another story. My church in Nebraska won't name the church. Uh, the uh, all the teenagers come over to my house. The pastor's daughter walks in and she's ready to basically to declare war on me because she knows that I don't listen to the right kind of music and I listen to the and I don't listen to southern gospel and I don't listen to hymns and she comes in ready to go world war 3 with me I mean it's arguing 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 she will not stop and so I get animated and start fighting and like boom 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 she gets mad she starts crying calls her dad I have to go to the pastor and and I get you know chewed out there because how dare you you know she 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 has more spiritual insight than you ever will she's more godly because she knows that you're listening to worldly ungodly music that's gonna that's gonna bring you down she goes off to uh, i think I, I can't remember which christian a very conservative independent fundamental baptist christian college oh yeah she comes back pregnant why not because she was less spiritual than me no No, no, she probably was more spiritual than me. She probably did have more spiritual insight than me. She probably was more godly than me. I'll be the first to acknowledge how messed up I am. But the problem is the focus was on, the focus was on the idea that the problem is not in me. The problem is here. If I don't listen to this music and I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this, I'll be good because, because, because I'm not one of them, but you are one of them. You are because that's what we are in our nature. We're not one of them in our position, but in practice, we still sin. The issue is internally. Now, I, by all means, if what you watch creates thoughts and desires that you should not have, then by all means, don't watch. If listening to a song creates problems, don't listen. I got no problem with that. But I can tell you, you can turn off all the movies, you can turn off all the music, you can get rid of all the bad books, and you can lock yourself in a monastery, and the sin nature is going to be right there with you. 
You can lock everything out, but the monster you're not locking out is the monster that lives inside of you. And that's why we continue to sin. And that's why we still over and over and over demonstrate we're very much like them. And that's why Christianity constantly tries to put forth this idea that we're not. But over and over and over, we demonstrate that we are. And the sinful cravings and desires that the world presents us, that our own flesh still has has in us, excuse me, and the devil presents to us, or if we're filled with the Spirit, we side with the things of the Spirit. See, if we have the Spirit, we side with the things of the Spirit. Well, if we have the Spirit and we side with the things of the Spirit, then logical conclusion would be, class, come on, sinless perfection. And yet so many times people think, I can walk the tightrope. I can just be right in that middle area, right in that gray area. Let me just tell you, no, you can't. No, you can't. Save yourself the trouble. Save yourself the heartache, the grief, the shame, the burden, and repent and believe. <laughs> repent and believe. Now, if you turn... if you if, now, I love the way the game with repentance gets played. Okay, this is just a side note. This is free. I won't charge anyone extra for this. But it's such a weird game. Because on one hand, we define repentance as a change of mind, but they also define repentance as a change of action. So this is some weird game. You have to repent and believe before, basically to be saved. So then that would mean I have to repent and change my action and then believe to be saved. But then they'll go, no, 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 no. It's a change of mind with a willingness to change your action. Then you believe, and then slowly but surely you'll change your action. Well, no, if repentance is a change of action, then the change of action would precede the believing, and then then I would be saved. But they're, they're like, no, repentance is a change of action, but the change of action shows up later. But how quickly does the change of action have to occur before you tell me that I was never saved? See, if it's a change of mind, it makes sense. I change my mind about sin and about God, and therefore I believe. Now, I believe that repentance is not something I do. God gives it to me. I believe the, the faith is something God gives to me, and he would probably, I think he believes, with that, believes that as well. But the thing is, is either if repentance is a change of action, then you would demand you must change all of these actions in order to be saved. But they're like, no, no, no. You just have to be willing to change the action. But if you don't change the action, then you were never saved. But then how much action must be changed in order to prove my repentance was genuine? It's a maddening circle as well. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Someone just put the tightrope would be the law and we fall off constantly. Exactly. Yeah, the tightrope, you know, like you don't don't walk the tight, like his like, don't walk the tightrope, just repent and believe. And basically what he's saying is, I guess you will never sin again. But he's already admitted that we will sin. So it's this weird, like, you'll, you'll follow the Spirit. You won't be like one of them. Well, if not, how am I not like them? Well, I don't sin. Well, but if I sin, then I am like them. So am I like them or not like them? Repent and believe in Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. So what are you setting your mind on? You say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm at church. I'm setting my mind on God and his word. We're opening the Bible today for this hour and a half. What are you doing throughout the week? 
Are you going to God in prayer? Are you opening up the scriptures? Are you disciplining yourself so that you can wake up early? Oh, boy. See, it's so weird because on one hand, wait, God changed me. God transformed me. I'm dead to sin. Well, but then it turns around, well, you're dead, but you see, you got to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. So here's, here's how it works. See, you, you, you can do it, but it's going to require a lot of work. So here's how you basically stop sinning. You don't watch the bad things and you read your Bible a lot and you pray a lot and you wake up early and you do, in other words, you, you do all of these things. It's like law, 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 law. So what happens is a person is like, well, you're sitting in that church and you're like, man, okay, I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. I got to do better. I got to do better. All right. So what do I have to do, pastor? Okay. Don't watch bad things. Check. Now he's not really defined what bad is. So what is bad? Like what, what things should I not watch? And now, and now I've got to go, I got to wake up early, I guess. I got to go to church. I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. Meet with God in the morning, getting ahead of your calendar so that you can spend time with him. Not for the purpose of your life being better and all these good things happening to you, but for the purpose of just fellowshipping with God. Well, no, your, your purpose that you've given me is I got to do this so I won't sin. So I got to wake up early, got to wake up early, right? So if I wake up early and I spend time with God, boom, then, then I'm not going to sin or I'm going to sin less. A person who is according to the spirit, who is living in step with the Spirit, who is following after the Spirit, who is setting their mind on the things of the Spirit, that's what they're concerned about. Fellowship with God. And how can you have fellowship with God? It's right here. You don't need a building. I'm not at all trying to say that the local church isn't important because it absolutely is. You need believers around you. You need to hear Okay, wait, so now, okay, wait a minute. I got to make sure I figure this all out. All right, I have the Holy Spirit in me, right? I'm supposedly dead to sin. The Holy Spirit gives me the power. But ladies and gentlemen, what have we just discovered? The Holy Spirit can't do it alone. The Holy Spirit needs some help. And you know what he needs? He needs you. He needs you to wake up early. He needs you to read your Bible. He needs you not to watch bad stuff. And you need the local church. And you need Christians around you, but you got the Holy Spirit who will do it. But I mean, but, but the Holy Spirit's like, man, hey guys, I need some help here. This person's really difficult. Can someone help me out? Hey, 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 I need you to wake up early. Come on, wake up early. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, read your Bible more. Come on, come on. Hey, go hang out with some Christian friends. Hey, don't watch the Grammys. Come on, come on. The preaching of the word, but how often do we neglect ordinary way that the spirit works in our lives right here from his word we know all about fellowship with the world we know all about fellowship with our sin we know all about fellowship with doing what the devil tempts us to do but what we need and what we desire what we want to do as Christians We want.
fellowship with God. We want to fellowship with God? Well, if we want to fellowship with God, then you don't really need to tell us to do it because we want to do it. It's just going to happen. Right? The things I want to do, I don't really need encouragement to do. Right? I don't, I, I, you know, I'll talk about my, my love for music. You don't have to tell me it's Friday. It's new music day, Trevor. You don't have to tell me that. You don't have to tell me that. I want to know what new, I want to listen. So on one hand, it's like this, you're a Christian now. You want to do this. You're a Christian now. You will desire to do this. Um, But on the other hand, he's like, hey, guys, come on. So what are you doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Other than this hour and a half half here, what are you doing? So wait, do I want to do it or do I not want to do it? Am I motivated to do it or am I not motivated? I don't know. I don't know any. It's just constant double speak. We want to find him in his word. We want to worship him because of it. And we want to live our lives according to his commands. So who are you? Are you one who's walking and who's living according to the flesh, setting your mind, siding with, preferring these things other than God? Or are you one who is according to the Spirit, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. This is the characterization of the two types of people. Look secondly at the condition of the two types. We'll stop right there. Basically, he's coming really close to saying you're not saved unless you're doing all of those things. Basically, he's saying you're not saved if you don't do it because you're, you're one of those people. You're one of those people. Those people don't want to, to read and to study and to... Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Um, we're we're going to stop at the eight, 18 minute mark. Eight, someone remember the 18 minute mark. I keep forgetting to bring. Where did I do with my pencils? What did I do with my pencils? Okay. They're all somewhere else. Right. So um, we're going to just start basically the 18 minute mark. And I'm, I. I, 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 I don't know what to say at this point other than. This is just the never-ending struggle within Christianity. We say one thing. It's so weird. It's just so weird. All right, you can give me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And we'll continue to struggle with these issues that are very... And listen, I acknowledge that they're difficult. And I understand the biblical language is sometimes complicated, but there are certain facts that we just know about who you are, we are, all of us as Christians. That's we continue to sin, continue to sin, and continue to sin. And we've got to acknowledge at least that fact. All right. Thanks for listening. Again, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Someone said thank you. I really don't know what they're thanking me for. Um, they, oh, I know why. That's the person I send $100 to each week to say positive things about me because uh, – I, I, because I don't think I did much good here today. I don't really think I did much good, but I did what I could. Hopefully someone will find something beneficial. All right. Everyone have a great day. I'm joking around. Everyone have a great day. God bless.